Welcome to the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Get engaged, get influenced, get connected. Okay, so I'm currently sat in Manchester in a very, very special location. My guest today has been in his former life a racing driver. He has also been a TV star. He is now the founder of one of the UK's largest independent retailers. He is my main man, Mr. Ross Warswick. Ross, welcome to the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you very much. What an intro. Um, I don't really know what to say apart from <laughs> sounding pretty good, that. How are you doing? Thank you very much for inviting us down all the way to Manchester. I know this is your hometown. Yeah. Um, I'm in your flagship store right now, the Couture Club. Is that how you say it? A lot of people that I've Couture spoken Club. to, Couture Club. A lot of people get it wrong, but I don't know, at least he's saying the name. So let's set the record straight, it's the Couture Club. That's the one. Awesome, I love it. Right, Ross, what I want you to do for me is I want you to give me a little 30 second elevator pitch and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Ross Worswick. I, um, you might know me from X on the Beach, I've done that twice. Uh, it's probably not one of the highlights of my career, but yeah, that got me here today. Everything leads you to where you are, I suppose. I've, um, when I was younger, I used to race, race go-karts and then progress the cars, but ran out of money, so basically couldn't pursue that anymore. Then switched over to a nightlife background, as you said before, and that's kind of led me all the way to the TV. Then from there, that gave me the confidence I was supposed to start the brand. And um, started the brand with myself and Scott Sashua, mm-hmm. and started with £5,000, and here we are today. Awesome, right, so let's jump into the beginning then because every entrepreneur has a story and I love to see how they develop and adapt over time and a lot of circumstances are what create where you end up going next. So can we jump into how you got into your go-kart and racing career? Was that something you loved? Were you pushed into it by your parents? What's the deal? I was four years old and my dad bought me um, a go-kart because he used to race and rally himself Mm -hmm. and he kind of just put me in it and said go. And I crashed into his factory within about five seconds. <laughs> and then um, kind of picked it up. And when I was eight, I started racing professionally. And um, from there, that was that was my weekends, every single weekend, just um, me and my dad going away racing. And then as I got to 16, I moved up to proper racing cars, race Formula Renault. Nice. Um, granted, it was a bit of a struggle. We didn't mm-hmm. have the same budget as what everyone else did. Mm-hmm. And um, at that level, it's tough to compete. Almost impossible, I suppose. So did you do well? Were you winning trophies? Were All you... through... Do you know I mean, I've come third in the British Championship. I won the British car nice. through. As we progressed the cars, I came third in the BRC Formula Renault Championship and then came second the year after. And then when I progressed to the UK Championship, um, it was a bit of a struggle, really. It was hard adapting to the international drivers and the fact that they had millions of pounds to spend and yeah. we didn't. Hard to compete. And I think... Yeah. I wonder maybe if you learned some lessons... Um, from then going against the big boys now with the Couture Club and having budgets and things in mind and maybe doing things in a different way and being smarter about how you build that brand and business without the finances? For me, it's more, this is my competition now, this mm-hmm. is my race, so that's what I'm doing and I love, I love it. it. I mean, I've got people I look up to, I've got people that inspire me, but at the same time, I focus on myself and make sure that I'm working harder and faster than anyone else. Awesome. So what were you like as a kid? Were you entrepreneurial? Were you were selling sweets in the playground type of lad? Or were you focusing purely on your racing? And I, I think because I was racing from such a young age, yeah. I didn't even really care about anything other than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to school, I think, four and a half, five days a week, max. But Good, um, I was away a lot racing. <laughs> So and I didn't. I wasn't really interested. I was good at art. That was yeah. about it, and that was all I was interested in: sport and art. And then, um, so no, I wasn't really that entrepreneurial. It kind of started after I did TV. I, I, I felt like, 
you know what I mean? I possibly had the ability to, people cared about my opinion. I thought, yeah. you know what, I could do something here. I've got, I've got something. So to let's go into that then. So how old were you? How old are you now? I'm 29 now. 29, so cool, year back. older than me. When's your birthday? April the 20th. April, April, my September. I'm 29 this September. Oh, happy birthday. Um, cheers, brother. <laughs> so, um, when were you, how old were you when you went on X on the beach? Because you've not been on there just once, you've been on there twice, right? I was 23 the first time, and then I think, I must have been 26 the second time I went on. Yeah. It's all a bit of a blur, to be fair. There's a lot of drink <laughs> and stuff like that. So, so what I, made you go on? I mean, you're a good looking um, geezer. Did that help you get on there? How did you pitch yourself? I didn't really what? have to pitch myself. It was it was a bit of a tough. I was out in Marbella at the time mm -hmm. and I was promoting, so I was out seven days a week. I was in the nightlife scene and um, I was just being a bit of a, you know I mean, a young lad, just having fun, enjoying myself. Yeah. And he approached me. I wasn't really sure at the start because I didn't really know anything about it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just thought, I'm a bit of a yes man. I yeah. give everything. I go. I'll, I'll say yes, and I'll figure out the way to do it later. Mm. Um, so I just yesed it and um, took a, took a dive. And to be fair, at the age of 23, it was fun. It was a laugh. I enjoyed yeah. it. And um, going around doing PAs at the time, one of my best friends was on the show as well. We lived together. Nice. We did PAs together. So we just basically. Who was the other guy on the show? Josh Mooney. So nice. um, it's like we. Um, it's like we were banned for a year and just went on tour yeah, yeah, yeah. every two days we're at a different place. So. I mean, what a life of a 23-year-old, yeah, right? amazing. And then it kind of all came to reality when I think I must have been doing um, PAs for about six months and I thought, starting off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going to make my money from? And what and did you do? I was still promoting. Still I promoting, promoting on the yeah. side. But it's, it's a hard thing between when you're trying to take yourself serious as not, I would never say the word celebrity, but as a reality star or anything like mm -hmm. that you don't want to be doing a normal job and seeing like that you kind of want to be seen in a different yeah, way yeah yeah you want to um, seem like you're balling even though most people aren't right yeah, i suppose that was that was probably it that's yeah. the truth behind it and then um but nightlife kept me being able to do that kind of thing i was always about and um and going out so it didn't necessarily look like i was sat in a shop mm -hmm. working behind the till so did you promote all the way up until you went back on the show or did you do something in between? In, and then after the first time I did it, I was still promoting and um, I was I realised a few brands were sending me clothing because no one got paid at all for Instagram then. And um, they'd be like, oh mate, we sold that t-shirt out last night. Mm -hmm. and I just thought the quality wasn't good, the fit wasn't good, it wasn't a cool style. And I thought, you know what, I can do this better. Mm -hmm. I, and that was it. I got messed about for about a year or six months to a year trying my hardest to find suppliers not having a clue what I was doing but um, it basically it was just stressful like, I, I and is this I, before you went on for a second time yeah yeah. and then I managed to like my business partner Scott came involved and he owned the selfie stick mm -hmm. and he was going through massive success at the time nice. it just started he was like the official selfie stick he had it in huge stores everything was going amazing and he had links in China so we thought that would work anyway it didn't necessarily work this his supplies in China weren't clothing oriented, mm -hmm. so it didn't. But we worked together, we put ads together, and we found a supplier. It wasn't very good. The quality of the clothes was, being honest with you, terrible at the start, but it was a starting point. Mm -hmm. With um, obviously a lot of help from our friends that were on TV, I used to just try and send it out to as many of our friends as possible. Yeah. And, um, and, and were you just trying to, to get them to wear it then? Yeah, just to wear it and, and post for it. Were you paying them or were you doing anything in I exchange? Or to pay anyone just like Not, pulling mind. on a favour? Couldn't afford to pay myself, Couldn't never mind paying anyone else to wear it. So it was, it was a real struggle for the first, I'd say the first year and a bit. I didn't take a, a salary at all and I was literally still promoting. So, but because I wasn't promoting full time, I was 
I was it was tough, mm. mate. Weeks were like touch and go, like where you think yeah, you're yeah. twenty quid here, what am I gonna do with it? I've got to spend it wisely. I've just got to hold you on something you said. So going back, right, and this is where every entrepreneurial journey starts and it's you said about you saw the clothes that you were getting sent weren't that great quality, you know, and they weren't the right thing and you thought that you could do it better. So I think everybody listening that wants to be an entrepreneur or is on that journey, they all have that same little epiphany yeah. moment where they're actually taking, 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 and then they think, actually, you know what? I can do this better. Like, why yeah. is nobody else doing it like this? What? And that is the moment that they begin. So if you're not on that journey yet, then wait for that moment. Or if that thing that you think you can do better, get on and do that thing better, right? 100%. You know what? I've got a tattoo on my leg and it says, never let fear kill your dream. And it's, it's 90% of people don't do something because they're scared of the failure side mm-hmm. of it. They don't risk it for it. And when I set up the business, I am um, luckily my mum let me two and a half grand, and I, Good girl. after all my PAs, I spent pretty much most of the money that I'd earned, so yeah. I only had two and a half grand myself. So we started with five grand, and that was like a little um, a little loan from my mum, and um, still do you know what I mean. I look after her now because we're in a position where I can help her out a little Good bit. Good man, respect but, that. Um, that was everything. That was everything I had, and that was to be fair, everything she could afford to give. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about then how you how you started it, right? So you went out. Did you call it the Control Club at the beginning? Yeah. Was, was driving, it that starting? I was driving down the M6 and yeah. it just came to me. Just don't know where. I think I was near Nuxford and it just popped mm-hmm. in my head and I just, I just texted my mate and went, the Control Club. And he went, what's that? Got and I it. said, that's what I'm calling it. Couture's like unique clothing and stuff like that. And then a club, I wanted it to basically be a case of like, once you buy things from us, you become part of this club. They mm-hmm. said, not, so, not necessarily exclusive, but that was my initial idea of like, oh, you're part of a club and it'd be like, not a tribe, but everyone involved in it likes it and um you kind of it's a lifestyle not just a brand and that was what mm-hmm. i was going well i was where i was going at the start. so first bit then you started you got your name you got your brand you got how you want it to feel the perception of how people are going to wear it what they're going to be part of so then the next step in the journey for anybody wanting to start a clothing line is what building a website building a website luckily my business partner scott he had a very good friend who's um say probably one of the best coders about mm-hmm. and just as a massive favour from things that he'd done before he kind of helped build the site for us on like um, we'll pay you back later kind of, kind of scheme yeah good like and, it um, it was just like hustling everything we did was a hustle yeah so we built the site we had all the social medias luckily we had the friends to help us promote mm-hmm. we had all had promoting backgrounds all of us mm-hmm. that like it was Scott and then all our friends were promoters as well but ended up on TV so it worked it worked perfect like naturally that's what we were good at is the marketing side awesome so we had found a supplier it wasn't even in Leicester it was in Nottingham a very small little shed I'd mm-hmm. say and um, yeah we, we had the clothes they weren't the best but we thought we'll sell them yeah. we've, got to, we've got to sell so them so how did you how did you pick your pieces what were they just like simple one branded three colours and no yeah. branding at all. It was all about the silhouette. That was what was in my head at the time. Yeah. No branding. I just wanted them to fit good and feel nice, and that was it. And, yeah. I, and that was what my selling point was going to be. And then, um, and said like that. Once we sold, like halfway through the stock, we could afford to buy more. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we placed an order to get some more. And then we we're like, oh, let's um, get some cut-off vests. So we got cut-off vests in black, white, and grey. And then, nice. like, then we added in a khaki colour, and we we're like, wow, we've got a colour. Like here we go. This is it. We, we started. And then. Um, we, it was coming up towards Black Friday, um, and we got our first tracksuits. Yeah, and it, I, I say it was amazing. It, like if I hit that, if, 
if I did the figure now on a normal day, I wouldn't really be that happy. But back then we were like, wow, we've smashed it. We've done amazing. We had <laughs> and this is all through your website. Yeah. All so through the website. promotion is literally influencers. Was it mainly on Instagram? Influencers. And myself. they were just driving everything to your website. Yeah? That was it. Myself, friends. I used to sit on Facebook and ask all my friends for their logins mm-hmm. and give me them. And then I'd invite everyone to our page. Like, you know, try and get them to like yeah, the page. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was that. I was just going through every friend that I knew. Mm-hmm. Just just pulling in favours as much as I could doing anything and then uh, that gave us a bit of traction and I suppose a tiny bit of collateral because mm-hmm. we've never put a penny in since to this day yeah. so um, it allowed us to um, think oh right we can bring slightly more things out I think I brought a, a, a separate hoodie out as well mm-hmm. and um, it was alright it bobbled after probably three washes so not the best mm-hmm. had a few complaints but <laughs> we got through it and then um, when it really kicked on we actually went to Paris and realised we couldn't afford to manufacture jackets. We couldn't. Um, the minimums were 300 to 500. There was no way we could afford to do it. So I went to an You just back one step. Were you making the t-shirts in the UK or yeah. were you just buying? No, making them. You were making them. We actually them. started making them. A lot of people do start with just yeah. plot t-shirts. And to be fair, I'd probably recommend that for a lot of people mm-hmm. to start. Less yeah. risk, less investment. You can buy twos, threes, fours. But we were making them. But still on low minimums. I think our first order was, say, 60 t-shirts. Mm-hmm and then that was split across sizes. And who designed them for you? Who did you find? Well, like? it was me that was designing it, and I was I was paying a young girl freelance to just CAD it for me, because I wasn't very good on CAD. Mm-hmm. And nice. um, she just did a CAD and a tech sheet, and then we used to send that off. And that was that. Obviously, now, luckily I've got, I, I suppose only as of two months ago, I've got a menswear designer. We've got a womenswear designer nice. since we launched Women's We Have, but up until then, it was just myself, and um, I was basically freelancing or cross-costing someone to cut it for so me. you were just sketching them out she was putting them through it the was, computer I'm, I was more sketching buying and you know for like material feels yeah. material qualities weights things like that and then um, pictures inspiration so I'd kind of merge all three together and like, like, right, can we cut this up and then it'd be like they fit something similar to this but I want it two centimetres longer I want the arm slightly longer do you know what I mean I'd mm-hmm. just change it about so um, so you hit Paris hit Paris and um, there's a huge like wholesale area there and um, we went and we found this leather jacket. You could buy a box that was like one size extra small, yeah. two smalls, two mediums, two large and one extra large or something. And we were like, that was the minimum. And then we were like, right, how do we get back to England? And we found out there's a company that take it back there the next day for you. So we're like, wow, wow here we go, we're on something. We sent it back to England. This was just buying jacket wholesale, get it relabeled down the road. And then um, next thing you know, we, we've launched a really nice leather jacket that everyone thought was amazing. But little did they know, obviously, it was from Paris. We'd relay with it and we brought it back mm-hmm. here and we just found... And that, because it was a good piece, the quality was amazing, everything was really good. Again, that was like our next big product. Back then, like, a product was a big thing. If we launched yeah, more yeah, products, yeah. it was like, oh, it's changed the business, it's transformed it. But our biggest mistakes back then were because of money, we'd do amazing for, for say, three weeks and then we'd be out of stock for mm. free. So we'd be sat there like selling hardly anything and how long would you like for someone that ends up in that problem how long do you think it will be that you need to put the order in how you what's the turnaround time depending on your on your factories i'd say yeah. a usual a usual raise about six to eight weeks if you're yeah. getting it quicker than that just pass me the contact because yeah. um, <laughs> everyone promises me the world but you, you know what i mean you get let down all the time so i always say six to eight weeks so if you work out your rate of sale and obviously mm-hmm. your sizing and things like that and you work out right give myself five to six weeks cover might be a chance when you're slightly out or mm-hmm. anything like that I'd probably just 
cover your base because it is always good to sell out create demand obviously then you yeah. can do a relaunch a restock and it, you hype it up and you probably have a higher sell rate from that than what you possibly would have done if it just stayed in stock constant so, so you know you said about the Black Friday one and you smashed it on that day you're like one of your best ever sales days have you ever had a very low sales month where it's been extremely low and you've been like oh shit what are we going to do if this doesn't pick up like have you ever been do you know what or is it just I've kept had, climbing, we've had, we've climbing, had low months, but if I have a low day I make sure that the next day's not yeah we'll do anything like if it's a, such a bad day mm-hmm. and that's when I'm pulling favours I'll get on the phone to everyone yeah 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 like, please can you do me a post like mm-hmm. I'm going to pay it some way or can you do me a story can you do me a tweet can you do me anything like any sort of thing like I feel like if you have a bad day and you don't react to it then you're the fool yeah like, yeah it's, yeah it's all on you at the end of the day so that's what we do best is like if something's not going our way right well let's change something and make it go our way mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all up to us really reacting fast yeah, you know and that faster. really can be the difference between people staying in business and going out of businesses a lot of people just let it run the same yeah. way hoping and expecting some magical circumstance yeah. to change but actually it's you that's got to change jump on it exactly. and, and sort something out what, fast what, right what can our next thing be payday can we do a, like a code can we push an item yeah. can we do is, should we do a flash sale for a day just to give it a spike? Like, you've just always got to be thinking of how can we market this and create interest that day to get people there to drive sales. And the more sales you get, someone's got that product in front of them and they feel it if it's good, yeah. they'll buy more. And it's like even putting leaflets in the packaging. They'll buy more and then the next time they buy, they've got a little discount code. So they think, mm. oh, you know what? I, I did fancy the other tracksuit, but now that I'm getting 10% off, I might get it. Yeah, good. And it's just all constant development. And that's the best thing about fashion, really, is every single day, start again mm-hmm. it's fresh you've got to go again you've got to go again there's no sort of point when it ever slows up can we go into the social media world yeah. and then how you're using that in detail to build the brand so let's talk about platforms um, to start with first question have you got a favourite platform or what's your most successful platform most successful for us now is, is Instagram yep. by far um, we put majority of our budget into influencers mm-hmm. on Instagram and stuff like that I um we use Twitter as a business as more of um, a bit of a, a bit of fun. Yep. To, for people to interact, like when, say, for example, TV shows on and different things like that, commenting on what the shows on, like live commentary, kind of having a bit of fun with it, just to get people to interact because they don't want to go on there and see every, every platform. You've got to use it in a way that's different to the other mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you're putting the same content and everything, it's like I've seen that they just switch off it. But Instagram's the main one. Facebook works in a. Um, a totally different way I feel like it's not an instant buy but people mm-hmm. are seeing things and it'll pop up and you can redirect them with ads yep. and things like that and um, it's constantly brand awareness and stuff so for socials I'd 100% say Instagram's the main one and I would set to anyone starting out I'd set aside a budget for influencers mm-hmm. granted it's tough but whether you use your micro influencers which you, you gain for free that just want the free clothes and mm-hmm. create content I have a few different types I, I have Types that I use as content creators, mm-hmm. which means that they take really good pictures. You know that more like a blogger style. Yeah. So rather than you spend a certain amount of money on a shoot, you could send for free or pay a small amount to a, a few content creators, and they basically shoot it for you. But if you work out the cost of what it costs to pay them, you get them to post it, you get the images, and it might be cheaper than what it costs you to hire a photographer. Yeah. Shoot it yourself. So that's one type of influencer that I use and then we've also got um, do they cost or vary some cost some yeah. don't but if they don't cost at the start they will start doing because if someone's creating that good content and images of quality that you could use on your site or on your Instagram then 
they're going to gain followers and they're going to get bigger so eventually you're going to have to pay them and then um, it's the celebrity slash TV star anything like that and that's for me, a lot of them, the, the content that they create is not the best, mm-hmm. but they drive sales. Yeah, Amazing following. driving sales. Can you tell following. us what the most you've ever paid someone? Um, Do you feel comfortable? Yeah. I've, we've not actually paid anything extortionate really yeah. yet, but I think it is possibly, I think £2,000. Yeah. Granted, I might have had a few mm-hmm. favours along the line where people should have been a lot more. Yeah. Um, but we've not really paid any extortionate. Grant, we are looking now for... Do you have an idea of what your conversion on a post of a big player is? Do you get? Do you see it instant? Is it thing the, the it, it, you know post what? out and then you sell just on the website to spring up or what? It varies. We we test a lot of things. Whether now we give each person a specific swipe up link, so mm-hmm. even if they don't necessarily generate a sale, we see how many people swiped up with them and they've gone onto the site. But then also we can use a code and we can track from there how many people use their code. Mm-hmm. Um, and that item and also you obviously look at the item that they've posted and see if there's an increase in sales there I couldn't give you an exact amount because per person it varies Too massively yeah. some outfits varies massively like, for example I know certain outfits that bring out you know when you've got a big hitter and it's going to be an amazing sell you don't really need them and, but they want they want to post it because they like it mm-hmm. so you know that they're going to sell way more of that than you would something else but even without them you'd sell way more of that yeah. so it's, it's so hard to read I couldn't give you an exact conversion rate on it right let's jump out of the Couture Club now and let's jump back into X on the Beach right so yeah. you went there for a second time yeah. how did that come about I was um, I became single and the business was um was growing it was, mm-hmm. it was doing it all right like I say it was still just myself and Scott didn't have any staff yep. we had a warehouse we did the picking packing customer service marketing the only thing we didn't do was photography I used mm-hmm. to get one of my mates who was a photographer to come in and do that for us because like me and Scott would have been hopeless at it do you know what I mean like there's no pictures yep. being taken it is this your friend Scott Thomas you? no this is Scott Sasha our cool. business partner alright cool Scott Thomas would always be about in the warehouse around <laughs> so old Brad but um, yeah we'd um it was like a bit of a hub on it where we used to all have a bit of fun but yeah we did everything ourselves so when it became like customer service I'd be like oh one second I'll pass you on to the customer service department I'd be like Scott 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 <laughs> um, and then he'd answer the phone and take it. It, take it on board so we'd switch and change but you know what I mean we'd, just what, we, what you had these to do these are the fun parts though when you're building your well, business this is it someone once said to us he said you know what this is the best time now yeah before you've got all your staff, before you've got overheads, you've got to worry about and in a month when you've got to pay people, you've got supplies, you've got everything. It's, it, when it's on a very just you two basis, it, yeah. it's, it is a laugh. Like We'd be in there sometimes at 10 at night picking and packing, but we're, not, we're bothered because you're physically doing every single thing. You feel like we're making this ourselves. Yeah. Like there's no, like I don't have to rely on anyone. Like yeah. no one at all. No one can. And it's it. all for you, right? Yeah. So it's a different vibe. So everything that you're putting into it is all about building your future and your exactly, legacy. You're not ten, ten at night that's building one, somebody else's dream. That's one thing that I would recommend to anyone starting. I would start, but I'd also make sure that you worked alongside it massively because you, if you want to grow a business, you can't pay yourself anything for it. Mm. Yeah, you've got to just just go with it and if you want to grow it at a rate that I want to grow it at anyway just reinvest every single penny that comes mm-hmm. for, the fir- for the first year first year and a half that's the biggest thing that we did and that's probably one of our biggest, um, biggest so you went back on X on the beach then did that help you out did that, yeah, did, that did that blow your following up again get you back in the game huge to be fair yeah. it really didn't it came at a perfect time it was at a time when the business started to become more serious and um, we became partners with a company called Two Square, which are more of an agency, but 
they had staff in their office. We rented office space off mm-hmm. them, but it meant at this point, we didn't do the picking and packing. They had a warehouse where they had their staff that picked and packed. And um, we just got cross-charged. So basically, for example, if we used two of their staff, how many hours we use them for, we'd, we'd pay that. Mm-hmm. But it also meant at this stage that I had a girl there that would design, mm-hmm. like so I could cross-charge that, which really gave me the chance that like, I could actually do some designs here rather than me have to then call someone up, send them something, go and right. see them, and then do it. she was in the office, so I could go over to her desk, sit down with her, and um, and get it carried up, and we'll send it off. So this is when it it took its turning point. I'd just come off TV, we'd had access to people with knowledge if I needed mm-hmm. them, and um, it. I suppose I started taking it a bit more serious. I was doing my PA still, and it my following went up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Said the same for that so for all the fans out there or the people that don't know that are going to be listening what is X on the Beach tell us just a little bit about it well brief insight into it it's um, a villa single guys single girls most people go there hoping to even meet a girl mm-hmm. have a bit of fun or um, if you're a girl meet a guy obviously and basically exes and ex-boyfriends ex-girlfriends get thrown in the mix probably at times when necessarily just wouldn't want them there so yeah, you might yeah, be getting close to someone drop and, it happen and it's unexpected you don't know when sometimes you go down to the beach sometimes you turn up at a villa mm. and you don't have a clue you sounds like a savage awkward environment to be in sometimes it is you've just got to have a very strong mind for it yeah. there's a lot of manipulating going on in mm-hmm. there but the second time I did it I suppose I was a little bit older and I didn't like the idea of how people played up for airtime. Yeah. It was like, for me, like, I knew what I was there for. I knew mm-hmm. what was going on. I'd been an ex on the beach. Yeah. I was there just for a laugh. I thought, I'm having a holiday. I'm just going to have a bit of banter, yeah. line people up and just have a good time. But then when people are arguing, I thought, do you really argue about these things in real life? Like, yeah. Are you bothered seriously? Because like for me, like, I just walk off and not-, not So much bullshit, but right? They wanted the, they wanted the fame and that, and that for me kind yeah. of just was like, nah, I'm too old yeah. for, for that kind of show. Yeah. Granted, I had a good time and what I gained from it has been amazing. And I don't regret a single thing because every single, awesome. everything I've done has helped me and led me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. So did you have any really awkward moments or um, really, oh, what, was your, what was your worst moment on there that you just wanted to crawl up and die? Well, put it this way, I was with someone in there and I'd gone on a date with someone else and I, and I think I um, fancied this girl, so I was sticking it on her a little bit. But <laughs> well, I played it down when I got back in the villa. I know, like, they had a few arguments and the girl that I was actually with in the villa, she's she very hot-headed, loved, loved an argument. It's not really me, that. And then um, on the last day, we're having a big dinner. Everything's all happy, we're all sat there happy. We get an app, the iPad pops out and shows me on a date with this oh, girl, no. saying, I want to be with you don't want to be with Harriet, like all this stuff. Savage. Everyone just turned on me and I just sat there, just, just like, <laughs> oh, you know what, I'd said it, I've got to take it, you know yeah. I mean? it is what it is. I managed to put it back around though, so it was all right. Good, which one did you end up with? Harriet, but it didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> so are you single now? I am actually, yeah. No, you're single, good. Harry That's me. good for the ladies out there that are checking in. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in the back of the audience is pulling some wires at the moment, so we're not quite sure whether he's uh, answered I'm, the truth there or no, not. I'm single. That might come back to haunt you. Let's not date this video. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my eye on someone. <laughs> awesome. Right. So, um, 
you've built up this clothing brand and you've been hustling for a couple of years and then you've got it to where you wanted it to be but then never all where the, I wanted it to be never where Still you want it, where to be. I want it to be no always growing right always. always growing but what I want to say so I'm not quite to the end yet yeah. so I want to say how did you go from having a website and generating lots of sales like that and that being your main source because for me I would have believed that you know the high street is dying out and you know you would have kept it all online why did you decide and how did you make that jump because it's pretty impressive that you've managed to build these stores and you've got them all over the place that i want you to tell us about um the progression was yeah granted a lot of people think high street's dying out but i think they think that because they've been used to earning a certain amount of money from it mm -hmm. and they probably still have the same overheads as what they had when they're earning that money yeah now they're not making as much money, but the overheads are still the same, mm -hmm. staffing. Whereas for us, we never had a store. Mm -hmm. So we worked out financially what it, what we needed to make to, for it to break even. And for us, if it broke even, that was fine because it's the biggest marketing it's for brand perception, yeah. brand identity. You've got your own footprint on the high street. It was, um, it was more for that side of things. It was a huge marketing tool that we could use mm -hmm. to do anything we wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the help of JD Sports, they um, helped us locate stores because that's the hardest thing, I suppose, mm -hmm. having a store and working out a deal. Mm -hmm. um, they helped us out. Um, and we kind of, from signing a paper, took five weeks and to build it, desi design it, build it, stock it, everything. That was where the, the trouble came in because obviously mm -hmm. we were only stocked for our online sales. Yeah. So opening a store, and because of factories, say, working on a six to eight weeks, when it becomes winter time, it's a lot longer because you've got different items, more technical items. So we came into the store with no hoodies and we opened it in October. Yeah. No jumpers. You had all your summer gear. All the summer gear. <laughs> and um, it, it, you know what? Somehow it did, it did amazing right from the off. We did a lot of promo around it, a lot of marketing. We did a big launch party and again, took it back to the hustling days, pulled in favours from everyone. Mm. Everyone came up and supported, which was amazing. Mm. I got um, Anthony Quallo and Jesse Lingard opened it mm. for us, which, do you know what I mean? They didn't have to, they did out of, do you know what I mean? It was good. And um, for us, that was amazing, just having support from, obviously, local people, yeah. as well as, obviously, all our friends from all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that's um, awesome, man. From opening the store, because myself and Scott never had any retail mm -hmm. experience, we learned a lot. I literally did... From October the 16th, the day open until Boxing Day, seven days a week. The sales in store to the website are totally different. It's a different customer. Because of the location, I suppose, in Trafford Centre here, it's slightly more of a commercial customer in here to what's yep. online. Some of the more tricky pieces and a bit more out there pieces sell amazing online, but in store don't necessarily work. So now it's allowed us to um, design slightly differently, design certain pieces that are online exclusive, um, stuff like that. We've learned a lot over the last year and um, now it's time to... Um, so how many stores have you got now? This is the only store fully open right yep. now. On Thursday, I fly to Dublin to open that store. Amazing. So that's exciting. That's a lot bigger than this. It's four and a half thousand square foot, that store. Two floors, so um, it'll be huge, but it's exciting times to go over there. And then in four weeks' time, we're opening Metro Centre Newcastle. So it's all go at the moment. I've um, no days off. That's awesome, mate. Really pleased for you. It doesn't sound like you're getting any days off anytime soon either. I try and enjoy the, the late <laughs> nights, but I still burn candle at both ends. That's it, but that's how you've got to do it, right? I think 
you know, from what you just said there, a lot of people um, that want to go on this journey, they're always saying, yeah, but what about time for going to the gym? What about time for family life? What about time for going out? And listen, you've got to sacrifice, right? You're not going to be able it. to have it all. You've got to put in the hours, right? It's not going to come. You don't have a work-life balance. You just work your ass off That's and sit everything else around the thing it. With, the thing my favourite time of year is Christmas. And now that we've got the clothing, it's even, even more so because yeah. it's an amazing time for retail, like the sales go through the roof. But at the same time, you don't get to see your family. Mm. Like I was in here with Christmas Eve up until the close, and then I was in here Boxing Day, right from the off. Christmas Day, you sat at home, and the online goes mad on Christmas Day. You wouldn't expect it because everyone's opened the presents, they've got a bit of money, they bought, yeah. shopping. So I'm sat coming up with marketing. Probably <laughs> a bit too last minute because we'd opened yeah. the store, I shouldn't really be doing marketing on the day. But um, we, do you know what I mean? We're going over everything. So I'm sat on my phone at Christmas dinner. But my family understand it and understand what, what I've come from, the struggle, where I was and where we're going. And they know my vision, they know where I want to be, so they support it so much. And obviously yeah. my mum was there right from the start with a little bit of um, help with investment. So to see what that two and a half thousand pounds that she gave me at the start, see what it's built now. Amazing, in, I bet she's really years. proud of you, man. You know, you've yes, come along. Well, but they are, and do you know what I mean? It, it's so nice, like I said before, for me to be able to do things for them now, because all your life, your parents look after you and it's nice to actually look after them. Yeah. Love that, mate. I'm on exact same vibe. <laughs> exact same vibe. Good. So, what's next for you then? What's next for the Control Club other than the stores? Have you got anything you can tell us? Um, next year, at the moment, I'm working a lot with football, spending a lot of time um, trying to build the customer to more of a premium customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, luckily, I've got a lot of friends that play football as well, which helps because mm-hmm. they introduced me to players that I don't know. But we do have a lot of football customers anyway, and they buy. So, it's kind of pushing. The customer more premium, but also testing the customer a little bit as well, just trying to develop into new areas. So we'll cover pretty much every single area there is soon. Um, that's yeah, expanding the women's wear. Mm-hmm. Women's wear was only launched in November last year. I'm glad you touched on that because I was going to ask what made you go into um, um, it, ladies' wear. I went into women's wear because influencer-wise, I had even more girl influencers than I did guys, mm-hmm. just through contacts. A lot of girls were wearing the guy's stuff and were always asking, and it just seemed like a natural progression. Like if we've got a following of girls and we've got amazing girl influencers, let's give it a go. Yes, we'll, we'll yes it, and we went went with it. And our aim was to get to get it to twenty percent or twenty five percent of the business. And as of last week, it's thirty percent of the business. So amazing. I mean, it's um, we're over the moon with how it's going and the team behind. It's great, um, and it's just obviously developing that, expanding that more, more products, more SKU base. So obviously more items, and then. Um, America. America, baby. LA's my favourite place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just started building a customer base there. So that, now that that's increasing sight and I'm seeing a lot more sales from there, I feel like next year I'm going to spend um, a bit of time out there. We're going to do a pop-up. How um, are you marketing out there? Or are you just picking up fans? A lot of influencers. I've got a few friends that yeah. live there and go out there and mm-hmm. run a, a lot of the nightlife again nice. through past contacts that I've made awesome. over the years. Um, and they know a lot of the um, celebs and stuff there. So... <laughs> We're gonna spend a bit of time, have a pop up, do some shoots out there using American influencers, try and engage their customer base a lot more, and just go out. When I was out there last time, going on nights out was as fun as it sounds. It's a, probably one of the best places to meet people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and obviously market yourself, your business, and yeah. stuff like that. As long as you can wake up the next day and go to work. All networking fits the vibe, right? Fits it's the perfect. business. That, that's exactly for what I'm trying to do. Fashion, nightlife, it, it, it works hand in hand. Mm. So um, yeah, I'm probably gonna try and expand that area a lot. Um, we work with Ace. Us now, mm. um, which is going really well, really, really well. Like a lot better. Than so, do you sell expecting. your do you sell your pieces um, through places like a- ASOS and stuff like that, or is it, own, or is it all independent? Yeah. You only do you only sell it yourself. Only ASOS, that's it. Because yeah. um, 
got a very good personal relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And um, not just that, we want to keep the brand very um, exclusive. Yeah, exclusive, select, have full control over it. Mm -hmm. we're, we're on our own journey with opening our stores, mm -hmm. so we don't really feel like we need the. No, it's not so much we don't need your fashion out outlets because you always do. You, yeah. you will eventually always need to put it in stores to keep it there. But if we're opening our own high street stores, mm -hmm. we'd only be competing with ourselves. Yeah, you know so, your route to market at the moment. Yeah, at the moment we're in full control of it and I'm happy with how it's going. Uh, but more, ASOS was more, they've got a huge international marketplace as well. Mm -hmm. So that's boosted our, our sales massively. Like Germany's our second country on there and that's right. taking a really big percentage now, which we didn't know about. Mm -hmm. um, so, our next route is you know I mean, more of the international wholesale. Yeah, yeah. So I will do wholesalers in, put it on stores on the high street, but more international rather than the UK. Mm -hmm. I feel like the UK. And you want to take it worldwide? Yeah, that's. I think that's always been the it's aim. Oh, my, oh, my dream, right? I just feel like you've got to take it one step at a time. I want to mm -hmm. conquer what we're doing now, be focused on it, and not get distracted too much. Mm -hmm. um, but also have them wheels in motion. Mm -hmm. So um, I still want to, my main aim for next year is to open a London store. I'd, be, I'd love to open one in Birmingham because I feel like I've got, there are two demographics that are probably our strongest places, but we still don't have a store there due to not finding the exact unit that we want. Maybe it's been slightly too expensive for where, where we are as a business right yeah. now. But next year, um, with the projections that we have, we should be, should be able to do it. Cool. So as an entrepreneur, right, I always believe that you have some very highs and some very lows. So everybody that we're getting on, I'm asking them what was their lowest moment or their hardest moment, but then also their most exciting moment as an entrepreneur. So what was your hardest moment and how have you battled through it? My hardest moment? We ever had a financial struggle, a clothing yeah, line no, not launched. Like when I said, when I started and I had weeks when I had 20, 20 pounds, like that, mm -hmm. that's no lie. There was times and I remember being in my flat with my best friend Joss and um, I had nothing, like mm -hmm. not a penny. I had like a little pot of noodles. I mean, that's that's where it was at. And, yeah. and it was at a point where the business wasn't making money yet. So I wasn't, I didn't really have the lifeline there mm -hmm. to go, oh, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And probably my own fault, but I, I'm so, I tried to be so independent that I, possibly didn't necessarily want to ask anyone for any help mm -hmm. or ask my parents for any help because I didn't want to seem like I'd failed before I'd started yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'd just started this business my mum had helped me out and it wasn't working yet and so what kept you going through that time when you were like you know, no a lot option. of people give up <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> no I'm committed <laughs> now I've got to see it I've got through. nothing left I'm yeah. sorry I've got nothing I've got to make this work so you should that'll always be a good that. incentive yeah. <laughs> I mean if you have nothing in the bank and you can't do anything make it work you, oh you've got time time's on your hands so do something with your time and make sure that you drive people to that site and they buy something awesome and that and that was it but then highest point anyone in clothing is going to say it's Black Friday yeah <laughs> it's just an amazing day to be is it, is it mad right it's just like <laughs> I'm in the warehouse at 4am I go and help pick a pack on Black yeah. Friday it's, it's fun it goes off like they probably hate it but for me it's amazing in there do you know I mean we start at 4am on, on Black Friday so that's when we start picking and packing and then I'll be in there, then I'll come to the store, see the vibe in here, and it's amazing. And it's just, you, s you see that many people walk around. And that's, I suppose, another thing that's amazing with Trapper Centre. Well, since we've opened here, I can walk around, and, and every day I'll see someone with a bag. Yeah. It's, probably, it's probably the nicest, proudest Proud thing anyone moment, can have. It's I, like, I said when I, when I was with Scott, like, my aim is to make the brand the household name. People mm. talk about Christmases that's what they want for the birthday that was one of my big aims it was like I'm not bothered about myself being on TV or being in the limelight anymore but 
I want the business to be. Yeah. And that's like now I've passed the, the line that onto that and that's that my aim is to it comes to Christmas time and that's what everyone wants. I like that vision and it reminds me of what I did with Infragas and when I first started and I had one little banged up van. It was always the vision to see like the British gas vans all up and yeah. down the country. <laughs> and then it. when time goes on and you're driving down the motorway and you're in the middle of somewhere in the UK and you see one go by, you're like, and oh, it's friends wow, and pictures, like, anything you know, like that. It's pretty cool. It's like for me, my mum and dad, they'll be at the airport on the way to, to Spain or something and they'll be like, they'll take pictures of random Someone people. Someone wearing it. Think, oh, like, mate, that's awesome. It's, it's amazing. And that's probably the best thing about it, the most satisfying thing that I know that I can make a quality garment, but when you see other people enjoying it and that's what they've chose to wear on their big night out or their day or, do you know what I mean, anything on the holiday and you see they've picked that outfit because they like it and that's what they want to wear. Mm. It's nice. I know we spoke a lot and there's some amazing lessons, but what would your three top tips be to anyone starting a clothing brand? Um, start steady. Again? Start steady, as yep. in don't spend too much money right from the start yep. keep con like, you've got to keep full control of obviously your money mm -hmm. that's the main thing because it's so easy to just spend it all yep. um, so definitely looking after your money um, never ever give up no matter what if a product's not selling it will sell it can sell you just got to find a way to make mm -hmm. it sell and then um, just stay positive believe in yourself like mm -hmm. for me my biggest thing I've got a quote on my arm it says believe in yourself and there'll come a day when others have no choice but to believe with you like it and it's and it's true like if you back yourself 100% eventually people will back you mm -hmm. and it's like when I started the brand no one really supported it no one was really there as in and I have very close friends which are amazing but then anyone outside of it on the nightlife in Manchester was like oh just another brand we'll see how long that lasts but then now you see them wearing it mate yeah and you know what and it was like I believed in it I knew where I was going I knew what I wanted to yeah. do but you've got to back all... yourself you don't back yeah. yourself no one's going to right yeah. you've got to 100% believe yeah and that's it they're my three things so back yourself look after your money and never give up awesome some great tips final question is seeing as it's called the social entrepreneur what does a social entrepreneur mean to you making anything work making anything work you can put me on anything like I've got a few other businesses that we do and I feel like nowadays in the, the age that we're in with social media, with the marketing that you can do, you can make anything work. You've just got to find a way to get your product to the right customer or the right service to the right customer via social media some way, whether it's a different platform, whether it's how you market, even whether it's videos, YouTube, anything it is, you can make it work. you just got to awesome. figure it out. Top man, okay, Rice, that's been amazing. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Thank you. Really enjoyed that. These guys are going to absolutely love it. Wish you all the best. I'm Thank sure this much. brand is going to absolutely smash the world to pieces. Hopefully. And we're going to see it everywhere. So good luck with it all, but I don't think you need it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Top man, cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Please continue to download, share with your friends, but most importantly, let me give something back. Come on over and join our international Facebook community. It's JV Social Entrepreneur. Go there, find it, search it. We'd love for you to leave a review and we'd love for you to follow our social media for more updates and for more insights. That's at Mr. Joseph Valente. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Let's get it. Let's grow.